are on Instagram now and get this, TikTok. So go ahead. If you don't know what TikTok is, by the way, don't worry about it. But um, go ahead, join us on that. We're gonna have some fun with that, especially us in the office, Pastor Jeff, Pastor Becky, and Becca and myself. So go ahead, you'll see many adventures up on that. You might wanna tick, I don't, do you call it TikToking? I don't even know. It's kind of, you might TikTok this service or something like that. So we're in the second week of our series called Open Table. And it's super exciting. Um, anybody that's first time guest here, just wanna welcome you here. Know this is a place you can belong and it's a wonderful church to be a part of. And that's why we're calling this Open Table. And so basically over seven weeks, so starting last week, seven weeks, we are going through seven stories in the Gospel of Luke. So Gospel of Luke is one of the four accounts we have of the life and ministry of Jesus in the New Testament. In the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus is meeting and eating with people around tables, right? Like, who doesn't like that stuff? Who doesn't like meeting and eating around tables? And it's really cool because the Gospel of Luke includes a whole bunch of references to Jesus around tables and eating meals specifically. And scholars, people have studied this a long time, uh, scholars have said that in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is either coming from a table, at a table, or going to a table. And you can actually read the whole Gospel. I encourage you to do that through that lens, and you'll kind of see those patterns. And so this points to this idea that the table can be a very transformative place, a place where God's kingdom is real, and where we encounter grace, And then we offer it to others. We open our tables up to others to experience God's love and grace. It's a place where we fully submit to Christ. Well, this week, we're going to check out a story in Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. And you can go ahead if you have your your program there that's printed in your notes. And you can either follow along or also on the screen if you're online Good news for you, it's on our website. You can just go ahead and you can open that up either on your phone or your laptop or iPad or whatever it is. And so this story that we're gonna look at, I believe it is a story about showing up, about showing up. So I wanna start off before we read the scripture, I wanna start off with a question, question for you. Has an invitation ever been a turning point in your life? Think about that. Has an invitation ever been a turning point in your life? So we're going to check out Luke chapter 7, 36 through 50. Be up on the screen here. So when one of the Pharisees, Luke tells us this, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. This is how the little setup, they recline on these kind of couches. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume, expensive stuff, and she stood behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. She's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Okay, get this. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. Story time. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. 
You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet me, wet my feet with your tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins, get this, have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The word of God for the people of God. Okay, so back to the question. Has an invitation ever been a turning point in your life? Well, for me, I distinctly remember the invite, and it happened on the Saturday after Thanksgiving. I was coming back to the University of Maryland where I was doing research as an environmental scientist, and I stopped in, of all places, Wally World, Walmart, the wonderful land to be right before Christmas, right? And I stopped in there, pick up some groceries, not quite in my Christmas shopping yet, but I was in there and going around, and I discreetly remember it was in the paper products aisle where I ran into a colleague of mine. Actually, she was one of our office administrators at the lab. And she and I began a conversation. And if you know my friend, she's not a quite outspoken type person. She's kind of quiet, a little bit shy, if you think of those things. And she began to tell me about this idea she had, and she felt like, she said, God was maybe calling her to, to start a, uh, a group, uh, a study at the lab facility at work, lunchtime on Tuesdays for an hour from 10, or from 12 to 1 p.m. And she said, you could bring your lunch, we're going to basically like open a scripture or something, and pray together, and just talk about life and whatnot. And uh, I remember just like thinking about that. That's kind of interesting, right? Like at work, like doing that kind of stuff. And at the time I wasn't going to church, wasn't really doing any of, of that stuff. And I went home, well, I thanked her, went home, thought about it. Um, and believe it or not, I accepted that invitation. And I showed up that first Tuesday in, in December at that time and met this group of people who... I learned so much from in the way of faith, in the way of, of what a relationship with Jesus was. It wasn't this religion, but it was a, about a relationship with God. And I have to say, that lunch table, which had been open to me, invited to me, extended to me, changed the trajectory of my life. One thing led to another, which led to another, which led me to where I am today. Interesting, right? It wasn't just the invitation, though. It was showing up. Showing up can change your life. So think, has there ever been a time you look back on and are glad you received the invitation, but then you took them up on it, that you showed up? Because I think all of us at some point have benefited from somebody inviting us to something, right? That maybe through that you experienced reconciliation or forgiveness with someone, Maybe that's how you met your spouse, right? You showed up to a party or a meetup. Uh, maybe that was how you met your best friend, someone you've been friends with for quite a while. 
Maybe that's how you landed your job or fell into your career. Maybe that's how you discovered Jesus for the first time. And maybe it was around a table, a simple thing, a table perhaps, a place of invitation. And so in this series, we're looking at three kinds of tables where Jesus is present, as well as places that we invite others to experience Jesus. And most of the time, get this, most of the time, we're kind of over on the left, we, this kind of idea of a recipient table. This, this gathering right here would be like a recipient table. You come to receive. When at the end of the service, we're going to take the Lord's Supper, we're going to take communion together, and this is a sense of a close community, a close presence of people who are, are following Christ or discovering Jesus. But then there's that middle section, right? A certain amount of tables that sometimes we don't think is where God is, but actually where God is. And it's our homes. It's our places where we are the hosts, where we host others together for the barbecue or the dinner or the lunch or the coffee. And God's presence is just as active there as he is around here. And then there's that, that other far off place that often we forget that God is present. And that's the place where we are the guests. When we gather in other people's homes and in restaurants and public places, park, park tables, picnic tables, fairs, when we gather in those places, and, and yet God is still present and at work there, believe it or not. But yet we choose often to just show up in maybe one of these places, forgetting that God is active in all three. And we see in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus makes his presence known in all three types of tables. So therefore, therefore so should we, that we need to be intentional about that. In the words of Frank Sinatra, you can't have one without the other. This isn't a choice, but this is a call. And so today we're going to look at what is the middle table. This story is a picture of the middle table, the host table where there's an invitation to a dinner party. So here we have a story of three kinds of people that show up, right? So the first is the host, and, and his name is Simon. Simon. And Simon, from the scriptures, what is he? What is his like title? He's known as a Pharisee. Pharisee. And you might say, well, what are Pharisees? Well, they were some of the religious leaders at the time following the Jewish law. And for many people who have been in church a long time, I have to say Pharisees get a really, really bad rap. It's almost like we think of them as like the Darth Vader or the stormtroopers that are kind of come in like, like boo-hoo on everybody's parade. Well, 2,000 years ago, these were actually guys that were out to preserve the Jewish law. And they were, get this, they were for the common people, for working class people. They were trying to, to teach people about God and they were trying to read scripture and protect and preserve the law. And so Simon, Simon, he's one of the few Pharisees actually in the scriptures who's given a name who's actually named, most of the time they're just called the Pharisees. It's like this group of people coming. But he's called Simon, probably because the people reading this in Luke's gospel or hearing it, as many would have, they probably knew him. They probably knew him. They probably said, oh yeah, Simon, that Pharisee guy. I remember like, we saw him on the corner last Thursday, right? Like he was, he was grabbing a coffee, right? He, he was one of the Pharisees that invited Jesus. So he's the host. And then, of course, we have another person who shows up, and that's the invited guest, Jesus. He's the guest of honor here. 
And so sometimes church, those of us who have been in church, we see you know, this Pharisee inviting Jesus to dinner. It might have been ulterior motives, right? That is, we made him with suspicion or surprise. But, but we know that it was common at the time in this ancient times for people of social status who were equals to sit and eat together. Or even kind of one up. You would want to be invited to someone's home who's maybe a little bit higher in the social rankings. And get this, I think they had a lot in common. They're both Bible geeks, really. They both studied the scriptures. And so you and I do this, right? We invite people like us. We call them like affinity groups, people you have something in common with, right? Uh, who, who here has ever been in like a band or marching band or some kind of music in some case? So if you would meet somebody, maybe you haven't met them before, and you would strike up a conversation, immediately you would have something in common, immediately. And then maybe it would move forward and you would invite someone over. Um, who here's like a car dude or a car gal? Like you like working on cars, mechanic stuff. Yeah. Yeah. A high hand in the back from Albert. That's awesome. One of our guys working. Awesome. Yeah. Once again, like you would meet somebody, bam, you have something in common. Who's a Penn State fan? Penn State fan. Yeah. Good game last night, right? So yeah, Penn State, like immediately you're like, oh, you graduated or oh, you had somebody go there. Or, oh, you like their team. Oh, you've been to a game. Oh, oh, oh. We have all these things in common. So it's very similar for Jesus and this Pharisee. They had some stuff in common. They were meeting for dinner. But then, then we have somebody who shows up uninvited, right? Uninvited, an uninvited guest, this woman. Have you, just a question, a little sidetrack here. Have you ever been uninvited you ever been uninvited? Maybe you waited for an invitation from someone and it never came. And maybe you heard about something that was going on and you waited for that invitation and it never quite arrived and kind of made you feel like, did they forget me? Was this on purpose? And what do we often do in that circumstance? We throw a Hail Mary pass, right? You text the person, you run into them, you ask them, what are they up, what are you up to on Friday night? And they text back, oh, we have plans, right? And you're like, okay, that's a lie, that's completely wrong. But we've been there, right? You've been uninvited, left out is another term for it. And, and so maybe, maybe you or I have done it also to someone else, truthfully. We didn't invite someone because we didn't quite want them there. Maybe, maybe it even concerned a church situation, Maybe you were uninvited to church, I don't know, or, or a Bible study, or a group. It happens, right? It makes you feel like all those like middle school feelings inside, like, ugh, right? Well, this woman, this woman shows up. This woman shows up, and it's a really odd scene. So uh, the question I asked myself when I was reading this was, did she break in the house? Was this like a scene from like Wedding Crashers? classic 2005 film. I don't highly recommend it, but it's interesting. But is she like doing this? Like she's just showing up at this dinner? Like who does that, right? But that's not what this lady's doing. So, so this is a little scene to give you a picture of what this would have looked like. So homes that were constructed in this day, they, they kind of had this semi-public area of their house, you know, almost like a patio that they would gather. And oftentimes, when there would be somebody of good rapport that would show up to somebody's dinner, you would have people that were in, from the public standing on the street around the patio area, kind of observing the dialogue. It was really common for that to happen, anybody famous that was visiting. And so there was a lot of commotion about Jesus, we're told. 
And people are seeing him, like, begin to do stuff, talk about things. It's kind of weird. And they're hanging out to see him. And the woman was a part of that. But she takes things one step further. She breaks the social protocol. You weren't supposed to, like, actually enter the dinner, but she did. And she interrupts the dinner. And Luke, in verse 37, says, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life. This was not just any lady. How's that for a reputation, right? To be known as the woman in town who lived the sinful life. And we don't really know what that was. People assume all sorts of things. She was a prostitute. She was this. We don't know what that was. We just know that she was known as the lady who lived a sinful life. But yet, she shows up. She doesn't show up empty-handed. She brings a jar of perfume. She leans over and starts crying on Jesus' feet and then anointing them. And what does Jesus do about it? Nothing. 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 It's interesting because it's as if he had invited her. He does nothing. It's like he had invited her. So I, I want to pause here and maybe just let let. God speak to you for a moment. Could an unexpected, even uninvited guest who has showed up in your life be someone God has positioned to, for you to invite to your table? Could somebody who is uninvited in your life be someone that God has sent and positioned for you to invite to your table? Because showing up means extending the invitation. That's the first part of this. In order to show up, showing up means that we extend an invitation. And, and did you know, I did a little research on this. Did you know that only 25% of all adults have ever had a neighbor over for dinner? 25, one quarter of all adults have ever invited somebody living in proximity to them over to their house for dinner. Did you know that one-fifth of Americans, American adults, regularly feels lonely, would admit to regularly feeling lonely. One-fifth. And for those of you, you guys in the house, 15% of men age 25 plus say they have not one single friend besides a spouse. 15% say zero. They have absolutely, if they would admit it, they have no friends. I don't know what impact you would have by extending an invitation. Extending an invitation. And, and you know, did you know that when it comes to church, did you know that when it comes to church, that, that a personal invitation has the greatest impact more than sending out postcards? I got one this week. It was a doozy. Um, check my Facebook for that. Um, uh, you know, more than that, it's, it's inviting people. And those of you guys here that have come to church by yourself for whatever reason, you know, it's hard you know, those of you that come together with a couple or somebody, it's, it's hard as a single person or as somebody that maybe your spouse doesn't come to church or be a part of it. it it's really hard to come by yourself. But imagine if you just invited somebody to come and sit with me, you know, come with me. Some, you know, some of you guys, you're here because somebody invited you here, especially somebody who needs some encouragement right now. There's lots of things going on in this world, in our community and in life. And, and so, and, and get this, you don't have to be religious or even be a Christian to come to church. You can just show up. You're just doing here for what someone else has done for you, being invited, maybe thinking back years and years ago. But, but here, let's get back to the story. Let's, let's look at it now, though, from the woman's perspective. So extend the invitation, but 
She takes a risk. We see her, she takes a risk. I love what this woman does. She shows up to the table uninvited. It's very, very gutsy to sit down there, right, to come. And what she does even more is socially taboo. It's even considered inappropriate because women at the time were supposed to keep their hair up. So they didn't take their hair down. They kept it covered. But then what she really throws off the dinner party guests is that she starts anointing Jesus' feet. Who does that? This is really, really risky. Why? Did you know showing up is risky? It's risky. You risk, first of all, being unwelcome. You risk seeming silly or stupid. You risk also not being fully understood or maybe understanding. Think about it. Have any of those three things ever kept you from showing up? And so whether you're the host or the attendee in this situation, there is going to be a risk when you extend an invitation or you show up. But I'll say this, the things worth, most worth doing in life involve risk. Maybe you've been pulling back. Maybe you've been receding back into your shell. But God made us to reach out, not to pull back. But of course, Simon, the Pharisee, talks to himself. He mutters to himself. He says, well, this Jesus is no prophet. If he were, then he would know that she is a sinner, But yet, what does Jesus do in response? He kind of hears him mutter or hears him think almost. Sometimes you can see what's going on in somebody's head looking at their face. And Jesus' response is to tell a story around the table. Do you tell stories around your table? Like when you get together with family or friends, do you tell stories? Have you ever told a story or maybe a joke and forgot the ending? And you're kind of going on and on and they're like, I just totally lost that. Okay. Anybody want some more coffee? Right. Or you forgot the punchline. Everybody's like waiting, like this is fantastic. And oh, is it over? Like, wow. Well, Jesus doesn't do that. He, instead he tells this story, he tells a parable that takes people by surprise, a story about debts. One who's a great, in a great debt, another with a smaller debt, both are forgiven. Who loves the lender more because is forgiven more debt. And Simon answers Jesus' question correctly. Of course, the one who's canceled the larger debt, they would love the lender more. Then Jesus' response is interesting. Rather than rebuking this woman for showing up uninvited, she rebukes, or Jesus rebukes Simon. See, Simon, Simon was supposed to be the host. He invited Jesus over. And, and yet he did not do the host's job. The woman shows up, though, and washes and anoints and welcomes Jesus. See, there's a clash here between Simon and this woman in response to Jesus. And even though Jesus is a guest in Simon's house, this woman is the one who offers extreme radical hospitality. See, Jesus may surprise you. If you extend the invite and take a risk, Jesus may surprise you. Has God ever surprised you? God ever shown up in a place you never thought of? Maybe you weren't even thinking of God at all, and he just kind of showed up. You took a risk, and God was faithful. Maybe you thought at some point you were unforgivable, unloved, unwelcome, unwanted, and you discovered Jesus forgives you, loves you, welcomes you, wants you. It says verse 47, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, Loves little. 
See guys, the truth is all world religions emphasize earning your way into God's good graces. They say, do this, don't do that, and you are in. And unfortunately, many people have thought this way about Christianity, to say that if you live a good life, then you'll make the cut somehow, right? You'll get into heaven. But a closer look reveals a much different picture, a very different picture about who is invited in. And it's not about what we do, but it's about grace. It's where those who owe the most receive the most because they need the most grace. You and I need it. Whether we think that we're good enough or not, we need grace. It's not about our goodness. And it's interesting because Luke's story concludes with a dispute in verses 48 through 50. A murmuring of guests about Jesus' identity and claims saying, who is this guy? You ever asked that? Who is this guy? Who is this Jesus? Have I ever really examined for myself who this guy is? I've heard about what they've said about him, but let me see who is this Jesus. And Jesus' words to this woman are, go in peace. Go in peace. But I had to ask myself, though, where does one go when told by Jesus to go in peace? Where does she go? Back to the street? back to her home, back to her neighborhood where she's known as the woman who's a sinner. See, what she needs, the missing piece here is, what she needs is a community of forgiven and forgiving sinners. The story itself screams the need for a community of people, a church who says you belong here. See, guys, showing up can change everything. Showing up can change everything. So in conclusion here, I want you to just humor me for a minute. Can you do that? Just humor me for a minute as we wrap up. I just want to dream a little bit here as Table Life Church, what we could be and what we should be. And what would it look like to create a culture of invitation? So first off, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're like, I'm trying to figure this out, I'm here for the wonderful lunch afterwards, we have a community meal afterwards with breakfast for lunch, it's a good reason to be here. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to know first off that you are invited. You're invited. But I want to challenge you today to accept the invitation. To accept the invitation to say, maybe I just need to show up. Show up for a while. Maybe just to ask, begin to ask some questions. Maybe to open up the Bible for yourself. There's a great app called the YouVersion app on your phone, totally free. You can just browse the scriptures, start maybe with the Gospel of Luke and read and try to figure out who is this Jesus. Or maybe for you it's the first time or first time in a long time to say, hey, you know what, Jesus, I want you in my life. And I've been kind of doing my own thing for a while, and but but... Jesus, I, I, want, I want you in here. I want to accept that. Because you know he, he's been there. Maybe it's just time to take that risk. And here at Table Life Church, I'm not going to ask you to like raise a hand or whatever. Our response is the Lord's Supper. So as you come forward to receive today, maybe that's the place that you figuratively lay down your stuff and leave it here when you receive God's grace. And know that we want to journey with you. This is, this is all part of a journey. It's not a one and done deal to say, okay, I know who Jesus is, I'm good, that kind of thing. But it's a process of discipleship, of following. But for all of you here who are followers of Jesus, remember back to the time when someone else was salt and light in your life? Maybe a parent, 
Maybe it was a grandparent. Maybe it was a neighbor or a youth pastor or a friend. Maybe it was a coworker or a colleague or a school buddy. It was someone who was salt in life who showed up in your life and at some point you decided to show up too or maybe claim for yourself the faith that your parents had passed to you. For you, who needs an invitation? Who needs an invitation? Maybe at your table, whatever how messy your house is or whatever, maybe an invitation to your table or maybe here, maybe an invitation here to Table Life Church to say, hey, you know what? I don't got it all together either. Come and join me. Come and join. Sit with me. Sit with me. You know, don't show up alone. I'll wait for you at the door. I'll wait for you to come in and and bring you along. You know, what would that look like? What could that do? Maybe it's even just sharing a link, saying we're on YouTube. Imagine that. We're on Facebook. Imagine that. We're on the website. Imagine that. Like here, here's a link. Why don't you just take a listen, take a watch for a little while? Who needs an invitation? But let me say this to all of us here. As long as as we hear and see through the eyes and the ears of people who are new to tables and new to faith, as long as we see and hear through the eyes and ears of those who have felt or been told that they were not invited, as long as we hear and see through the eyes and the ears of people who are on the edge, whether through their own purposes or others' purposes or others' means or society's means, as long as we see and hear through, through, the, through, those, through those, those eyes and ears, then we are going to get right. But the minute we turn inward, the minute we turn and say, it's all about me, about what I want and my preferences and me, my, and I, then we become Simon, the unwelcome host. Our table becomes cold and we are done. But what if? What if we created a space at this table and each and every one of our tables? What if like 10 people here did this? Extend your table where doubters can express their doubt, thoughtful people can ask questions, people in need of friendships that only one-fifth can experience friendships and relationships can form where people that might be skeptical of what this is all about might get a taste of this loving, hopeful Jesus, where relationship with Christ can blossom and bloom and grow. So for all of us here at Table Life, here in person, online, I wanna challenge you today. The three things we talked about. Extend the invite, take a risk, because Jesus may surprise you. Let's pray.